watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Stop up. It. Pop pass up in the middle. Got Tucker's it. got it. Ruby run. 15, 10. Hit, hit in. Bernard's touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. In go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing in the mix. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On The Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7. FM, her wherever you are. Whatever you are doing on the ESPN app team. Her and everything in between at the magical website where you can watch a radio show. Huh. Think of that right there. Go go back in the day. If I could get in my flying DeLorean and uh, saddle up next to uh, Edward R. Murrow back in the day and tell him good night and good luck. And one day you will watch a radio show. I mean, he would probably have me burned at the stake because I'd be saying that in, what, the 1940s, and I'd, I'd be seen as some sort of magical wizard of sorts that would have to be eliminated immediately. Let's see, we're in 2023. We're watching a radio show as a normal concept because you do it on QSportsTalk.com. You chat at QSportsTalk.com. Open forum for you guys to talk about what we're talking about throughout the show, but uh, no one says you got to stay on subject. There's all sorts of things that happen in the QSportsTalk.com chat, so hop in there, be a part of the show, and get the show within the show, meaning when the radio audience is in a commercial break, the QSportsTalk.com audience is not because we keep the camera on, we keep the microphone on, we keep talking to you. During breaks, we've got Newhouse at Night coming up later on the Mighty Q Sports Talk.com. All those young broadcasters ready to take my job, just ready to push me aside. Now, body's not even cold. They're just going to move right in there. Take that thing. And we're training them to do it up at Q Sports Talk.com. Always great to get the uh, student perspective on things, particularly with you know, some subjects that have been happening around the Syracuse basketball world, which we're going to get into a little bit more here in this hour. Got some uh, further thoughts. I've just really been struck by the feedback I've received from uh, people in all walks of life, in person, on Twitter, email, any form of communication here about what happened at that press conference the other day. I wrote a column about that that's out today that I'm getting a lot of feedback on. So we will continue that discussion a little bit later on here. Mike McAllister is going to join us one hour from now. You know, today... The first Wednesday in February used to be an event, used to be the day, used to be like a holiday. And to an extent, it still is. There's still some players being signed out there. Syracuse did add a player today that was unexpected, and it's a six foot three wide receiver. He's got 4'4 four, four speed, so you'll always take somebody like that. But it's just kind of there now. It's signing day. 
Man, I remember doing like extensive signing day shows, TV shows back in the day. Just like it was an event, and now it's just kind of a day. Like, do you know Babers is at the Senior Bowl today with this guy Matthew Bergeron? That's how big of a deal this day is now because signing day is now in December. The whole early signing day concept just turned into signing day. But Syracuse did make a couple of moves. And, of course, there's some big basketball recruiting notes out there. Elijah Moore commits. Marcus Adams just put out his top five. And Syracuse is in it. Marcus Adams, a recent official visitee to Syracuse University. So we will get into all of that with Mike McAllister, always on the recruiting beat as well as anybody. The GOAT has retired. Again, and I'm going to give myself an attaboy on that one because when asked on this radio program, when asked, a shout-out to uh, my friend and colleague Alex Sims over at News Channel 9. We were just kind of chewing the fat one day before a Syracuse lacrosse media availability, and uh, we were just, Tom Brady came up, and she said, where's, where's Tom Brady going to play next year, Vegas? And I said, Tom Brady's going to retire. Once in a while, like a broken clock, Uncle Brent gets it right. So I'm actually going to defend Tom Brady today and then go throw up in the corner afterwards. But I feel like it, it kind of weirdly has to be done. <laughs> it's just don't complicate this, okay? Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback ever. Like, I don't know why we got to yeah, but it and look at this and look at that and try and make debates out of things, and I get it. That's what shows like this have to do, but sometimes the answer is just the answer, and that's about as concrete an answer as you can get. So... We will get into that during hot takes, the blind side awaits, and so much more, friends. Looking forward to hearing from you throughout the afternoon at 437-7644. Brent X Media on Twitter has mentioned the live chat up and running at QSportsTalk.com. Well, happy February, everybody. Little Rat's going to come out of his hole tomorrow and tell us whether we're going to have six more weeks of winter or not, which no matter what he does, we will. Valentine's Day is coming up, one of the great scams in American history, right? Just full of romance today, just full of life and vigor today, right? That's real positive coming out of the gates here, right? And, uh, yeah, then we're going to look at what's ahead for Syracuse basketball because I think the conversations around this team as we go forward here are going to get very interesting. I think they're going to go beyond basketball. Now, that's the thing. I got an email today from a gentleman, and, man, God bless his optimism. You get these emails, and they just they make you feel good, even though you kind of want to pat him on the head and say, that's not going to happen, but if you believe hard enough, maybe it will. So shout out to my guy, Steve, who sent me this email. He says, Brent, I realize that the orange is all but eliminated from the dance, but don't you agree that they would make the field if they win the remaining eight games? I know it's not likely, but in my orange-colored glasses world, they could do it. Steve. P.S. I'm 74 years old. I've always been a Jim Beheim fan. No longer. We need to change ASAP based on the on-the-court strategy and off-the-court behavior. So while Steve is believing in the next breath, he's like, make a change. And we'll get into the Beheim thing later in the show. But... The status of Jim Beheim is going to be a hot topic here over the next month. 
the future of this team in terms of what postseason they could possibly get into is going to be a hot topic over the next month because the NCAA is not in their near future unless what Steve says happens. So just to kind of put it out there into the world, it would be a hell of a story if they did, in fact, win those games, get a few quad one wins, get a couple more quad two wins. The best time of the year to get hot is now. Because the calendar flips to February, and all of a sudden that NCAA selection committee is like, okay, we really got to bear down here. Really look at these net rankings, really start watching more games, and really dig into this. Joe Lenardi becomes a much bigger part of our lives over the next month. The Bracket Matrix is a website that is bookmarked near the top of your list of things you'll be checking out. Now, maybe not as much from a Syracuse perspective, but for those that are into the tournament, looking forward to the tournament, getting ready for the tournament, like it's prime time now. On February 1st, for the most part, you are either a postseason team or you're not. The makeup of your team, how well you're playing, building momentum, freshmen becoming sophomores with so many young players out there, particularly on Syracuse's team, or maybe you're a more experienced team that has been here, has done that, knows what it takes to navigate the last month of the year to put yourself in position to go to whatever postseason it is that you feel you're going to go to. In Syracuse's case, that is a big question mark because are they even an NIT team at this point? The NIT is not the shoe-in that some people think it is. So one thing we're going to be talking about is not only what this team does in terms of wins and losses over the stretch of the next month, but you start to speculate about who's around and who's not. You start to speculate about which players enter the transfer pool. You start to think, is there a player or two that feels, whether you think they're capable of it or not, that could at the very least dip their toe into the NBA draft waters, right? Last year, when it was just kind of inevitable and and you, you hung in there, you watched the games, they made that incredible run at the end of last year. We had that drama right to the end. You know, the Buddy Beheim punch in the ACC tournament. Then Jimmy Beheim responds with an incredible game. They lost that game. But just to see that team fight, scratch, and claw and put, at the very least, a positive note at the end of a losing season, the first losing season Jim Beheim's ever had. In 46 years then, now 47, but after 46 years, which is incredible. It's an incredible accomplishment. I think it's Jim Beheim's greatest accomplishment as head coach. I mean, there's certain individual awards. There's certainly a national championship, but that's a team thing. Something you can point to that covers an entire scope is he never had a losing season. That's him, right, from 1976 to last year. It is certainly in the realm of possibility it's going to happen again. And I remember saying last year, is this an anomaly? Is this a one-off? Is this just something that came 46 years too late, it finally caught up to him, and it's going to be a blip on the radar screen? And you look ahead and you say, well, there's six recruits coming in. There's change. Inevitably, the portal will happen, right? It just felt like there was a real 
transition. There was an opportunity. We're going to play more man-to-man defense. And it was like, it was just full steam ahead. I don't feel that way today. I feel like these conversations are going to be different. Now, again, there's a lot of basketball to be played here. But there's certain patterns that exist here on February 1st that are hard to break. There's certain habits that Syracuse may start to take a step forward from. Like, they're going to win a close game against a good team. That's going to happen. If If I can make one prediction sitting here today, entering the last month of the season, and then whatever comes in the ACC tournament. They will win a close game against a quality team. And by quality, I mean quad one or quad two. I will stand here and make that prediction because they've just been so darn close to it that they're going to break through and do the right things at the end of games. I feel like that is an advancement they will make, but that comes a little too little too late. I think this team's flaws, the ones that stand out consistently, though at times are good enough to hide and exploit your strengths, are just too ever-present for this team to really do anything down the stretch that will inspire, that will rally this town in a positive way, that will get that feeling back. There is nothing like the feeling, and they had it two years ago, Okay, that it was a weird Sweet 16. It was a weird tournament because it was the year after the pandemic and it was all done in the bubble and it was just, it was strange, but it was a Sweet 16. It's a Sweet 16 run. And then Houston knocked him down. Syracuse, what was that, 62-46, just ran into a wall after two terrific games prior to that. But everybody walked away and said, hey, Sweet 16, man. Bayheim does it again. Last year, now, what's the advancement from that? Because if the pattern holds, and this team is one that can beat bad teams, fight with good teams, but not win enough of them, and if there's a surprise or two the other way, there's, there's a few potholes left on the schedule. Make no mistake about it. We're going to start to have some really interesting conversations around about coaches retiring, about who stays and goes in terms of players, about the future of the program itself, not just next year. The whole structure of it. That's what's on the line here as this team goes down the stretch of this season. It's not just playing games. The players and the coaches will say all the right things and they will focus on all the right things and take it one game at a time, and they're going to fight until there's no games left on the schedule, and, and that is absolutely true. And we'll be watching, and we'll be tracking it. But this feels different. Last year was weird. We had not been through it. They start to slide, and we're having that same kind of conversation. Well, we've been through it, and we know what that's like, and we know we don't like it, and we know we don't want it to continue. And we know that it's not the standard we know that's not the standard that's been set here. So how long will the new standard, if you will, be tolerated from a number of levels? That's what the month of February is all about. Usually the month of February is all about scanning, watching, tracking. Okay, well, if this team beats that team and this moves that, we might move up into the last four in and go even 
earlier than that. It was just all about seating. It was just all about, hey, I bought my tickets to go to the NCAA tournament in Buffalo and just rooting all year long for Syracuse to end up there. Well, those were the good old days. Now just making the NIT would be an accomplishment. Looking at this team in this moment. You never want that to be a goal. But that, in reality, is what it is. Now, I hope Steve's right. I do. I hope Steve's right. Because Steve called his shot. And he called it a month early. And he put it in digital writing. And I can pull that out a month from now and say, hey, guys, somebody saw this coming. It's always better to talk about an NCAA tournament team. Write about an NCAA tournament. The morale of the of the city and the community and Orange Nation everywhere. I would rather cover that, write about that, experience that as you would, right? But reality is reality here. So when does the noise of some of those things that I brought up start to get really loud? What's the breaking point? What's the, okay, the conversation changes from the day-to-day of what we're watching and the X's and O's of what we're watching to we've got to look long-term here. We've got to look big time here. We've got to ask ourselves some big questions, not just, Hey, who can we get out of the portal for next year? Oh no. Much bigger than that. That's what's on the line over the next month. Four, three, seven, 76, 44. Brent Dax media on Twitter, the chat at QSportsTalk.com. Now, I uh, want to talk a little bit more about what happened at the press conference Monday between Jim Beheim and a student reporter, the feedback I've gotten from that, the conversations I've been having about that off the air. And I'm going to put it this way. There's a real sea change that I have noticed through this whole thing, one that I have not experienced before. We'll get to that coming up. Now, we got our friendly Baldwin standing by ready to give us a stock market update, but I also see that the legend, Drow and Clay, has taken time away from his 14 kids to give us a phone call. Drow, appreciate you hanging in through the monologue, buddy. What's on your mind today? Not much, man. So listen, um, as you know, over the years, I've been a big Jim Beheim supporter, um, probably the biggest one, sometimes to a fault. Um, but to see you come out, we have had other callers in the past allude to the fact that Jim has been rude to student reporters. Have you come out and do that? I actually give you compliments and kudos because not many in the local media would do what you would do because of the fear of the wrath of Bayheim. Now, let me say this. Having a kid in college and paying a tuition, I look at that as a kid, my own kid up there. Okay, he's going to college. His professor says to him, okay, you're going to go to the interview today. You need to ask tough questions. And I'm going to grade you on the questions that you ask. Mm-hmm. I'm going to grade you on how you compose yourself up there. So you're getting graded on this. So what Jim Bam should do is not scold the kid, answer the question, maybe afterwards meet with the kid, hey, here's you can handle these certain situations. Instead, he makes the kid look like a complete, makes the kid feel like a complete worthless piece of you-know-what. And other coaches do it too, and it's not okay. But I think the act is getting old. It's not an excuse as, oh, we're winning. If you're winning, it's okay. You shouldn't do it ever. 
But I think what's going to happen now is you get people like myself, we're going to turn him. And quite frankly, he should not be acting the way he is acting. It's not okay. And I think our athletic director, John Wilpack, has to grow instead of you know what. And these conversations have to start taking place because you're, going to, you're losing the fan base now. You're losing the fan base. You're losing fans like me. And what's going to start happening is people are just going to start, going to start going to the dome. So something has to happen here. And he can get mad at me. He can call me out like he calls out Pat and Syracuse and everyone else. And that's fine. But the fans have had enough. But we should be talking about, hey, I don't even know where the tournament's, the tournament sites are this year. Is it in Buffalo? Is it in New York City? We used to, I used to dissect this with you all the time. I had you hey, in I mind. Like, I had you in mind a what? few minutes, Dro, when I was talking about that. You're exactly the what? person I had in mind. Exactly. And I, it's, it's not, you know what? It's not a right, okay? But you know what? If you're losing and he maybe joked about it, yeah, that's a great question. Why am I starting to not be here tonight? And be sarcastic that way, that's fine. But that's a legitimate question the reporter had. Drew, what you're you're saying is, first of all, it's spot on. I appreciate the compliment. I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to tell a 78-year-old grown man not to uh, look at a a student reporter. By the way, as an educator himself, he is technically an educator. He is technically somebody who works at Syracuse University. To look at a student and say he doesn't like his attitude because he asked a straightforward question about the status of a player who didn't show up that night. And the fact that that was the first question somehow irritated the head coach it would be pretty naive on his part, considering that all questions about that were deferred to that moment. They didn't acknowledge, they acknowledged it, but they said it would not be addressed until Jim discussed it at his press conference. And what Drew is saying there is exactly what I said, and thank you for the thoughts as always, Drew. There is a real sea change happening here. There is a real shift happening here. And it's not to say it shouldn't have happened earlier, but this really hit a nerve with people. To say that I was tolerated for years because of winning, yes, in a way. But, see, there's a big difference here. And I want to go over it in the the next segment here. I want to leave time for this discussion, but I'm glad Dro lit that fuse, and we will get into it. Welcome back. Great to have you here. You're on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. And it's great to have you on board. It's February. February 1st. So, uh, listen, guys and gals, for that matter, it is now officially official and under no circumstances can you say Happy New Year anymore. Okay? Maybe a few late tag-on Happy New Year is kind of like middle, end of the month, somebody you hadn't seen for the first time, and it just like slips out. But, like, it's it's officially dead now because it's February. Just, just so we're straight on that, okay? To the phones we go at 437-7644. Uh, the great Scooter Amesville with us here. Scoot, how are you, bud? Now, wait, are we in Jamesville or are we in the Yellow Brick or are we in Point Place or are we in uh, other locales at the moment? No, no actually, uh, actually home, Brent. Uh, okay, great You know, this kind of law... This kind of love for me, you know, you know me, I, I give out trends for basketball, but basically, I mean, there's so many games out there. It's hard to, if I see something I like, I'll, I'll call in. But right now, actually pointing toward the little, little horse uh, stuff, getting ready for the Kentucky Whoa. Derby. The, uh, the Derby preps are already wow. starting to run, run. They've just ran a couple of Derby preps and 
starting to look at the horses and stuff. Listen and, to what, I, listen uh, to what I'm, we're hearing right now. But this is why I love Scooter, because the things that I would list on February 1st that would make its way onto a radio program, like 78th would be the Kentucky Derby, but it's ever-present <laughs> on your mind, so when the time comes... We'll be ready yeah. to add to the SoFax College Fund once again. Well, actually, the, of course, the the one that gets the most notoriety is the, the, the birthday pick for 19 straight years. But I kind of take pride in four straight uh, trip uh, trifectas in the Kentucky Derby with 20 horses and five out of six. So Let's I kind of, but you got to do your research starting soon because they, they start running against each other now. So you kind of. Get a feel. That's why we got but, you. But you know, of course, we got the you know, we got the Super Bowl and, and the props. Yeah, we got plenty uh, of as far as, as far as props go, if we can keep people healthy, we'd be doing a lot better. Uh, we knew we knew that Kansas City's uh, receivers were going to go over, and we actually took Pacheco, the running back, over six and a half yards, and Valdez Scanlon over twenty six. We lost on Schuster. Because he got hurt. I mean, I think he would have he would have gone over his forty six. Do we have only, any Niners props? Remind me on that. Yeah, that well, that's well, down. that's the whole thing exactly. I mean, I think I, I think Samuels would have gone over his fifty two, and of course Purdy over his nineteen receptions. Of course, that went out the window in the first half. So that's you know that that was insane as far as the injury goes, and that's what the problem with preps props go. But I want to talk about Coach Beheim mm-hmm. because. Sure. I've been around since the exception, okay? Not, maybe not everybody's my age, but I've been there since 76. And we used to call him the Bobby Knight of the East. And, of course, you can go all the way back to, uh, there's a guy named Marty Burns that actually was a first-round draft pick of the Phoenix Suns. And they played, uh, back then they played the Carrier Classic. And Magic Johnson came in with Michigan State. And one reporter named Bob Snyder, uh, voted um, Magic Johnson over over Marty Burns for the MVP, and Coach Beheim went after him pretty 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 good. I think that one's and he's always well he's always treated a local. Uh, and of course, of course, you all know what happened to you when you when you were kind of you know wanted you know wanted Paul Pascavaloni to resign mm-hmm. or quit. And yep. as we all know, the press conference they went after you. And but there's times in between, and what I am I'm amazing from a from a fan standpoint. Sometimes I got turned into the national media to find out stuff. You remember the Billy, the Billy Elian, who who actually who actually disappeared too, just like Benny Williams. And basically, he told the local media, you know, don't ask me the question because if I if you keep asking the question, I probably won't talk to you again. But he goes on Mike and the Mad Dog show nationally and tells everybody that the Billy the Billy Elian's going to come back at the end of November. So you almost have to watch national media to find out information about your local team because the way the way he treats the local media. Well, and that to me has always been that way. It just yeah. hasn't started. Just people are just recognize it now, right now. To be fair, before I you know uh, hit back on him a little bit here, uh, all your what you're bringing up, Scooter, is a long history of of Beheim versus the media. Beheim uh, expressing his uh, disagreements. I think that Magic Johnson over Marty Burns take has aged well. For Schneids in that case, and there's been times when Beheim's been right about these things. There are times I have defended Beheim plenty of times. There are times Jim Beheim has reached out to me on the air or off the air to agree with something that I said, to back up something that I said. So it goes both ways. But what has really struck me in the last couple of days, see, something that you do in this job, in order to form an opinion, you have to observe. Right. Even if you hold a certain opinion about something, 
you have to be open and you have to observe, right? And that will lead you to the opinion that you will next have. And the observation that I have had in the past 48 hours or so and a tweet that I put out that I guess you would say went viral. It's got several hundred responses and retweets and it's just gone absolutely bonkers. And the response I've already got to a column I posted two hours ago and just response I've had off the air from people, people texting, reaching out. There's something different about how this one hit. Because think of, God, there's a thousand of them, the press conference moments. But usually it's Jim has a beef with like Andy Katz. And Andy Katz is disloyal because of something that happened there and he sees him there and he calls him out. Jim Beheim calls out you know, Doug Gottlieb or Jim Beheim calls out Bud Poliquin or Jim Beheim calls out me, right? It's fine. It's, it's all part of the game. The Jerry McNamara rant. I mean, that was a dumb take. It was printed in local media, but it was an assistant coach that said it, and that has aged well for Bayheim for sure, because that was the opinion was dumb. But the fact that I believe it was both the Syracuse Post Standard and the Daily Orange that had some sort of postseason awards that indicated the Jerry McNamara overrated thing, right? That that was an all timer moment. So for the most part, it's not just that winning has allowed us to tolerate this. It's just that for most of the time, fans can find something to root for in there. Yeah, you tell that Gottlieb what it's like. Yeah, you tell that guy, right? That's our coach. Woo, you go. The other night, you have a student reporter who asks a fact-based, straight question. What's the status of Benny Williams? And Beheim's response on that is to question the order in which the question was asked which is completely ridiculous considering that was what was on everybody's mind. And we are serving our readers, our viewers, our listeners, whatever the case may be, by trying to obtain that information that we were told would not be delivered until Jim was at that podium. So if it's the first question asked over uh, free throws, then you know what? Deal with it. You're a 78-year-old professional. And to add in, I don't like your attitude, 78-year-old man looking at, you know, a sophomore in college. Like, it shouldn't take that for some people to come around that haven't. But, see, that is what has struck me the most. The people that have reached out, and this is just me because I can only speak for my feedback. Maybe my colleagues in the media are getting the same thing, but I I don't want to speak for them. In some form, I have, I'm not kidding you when I say this, have received hundreds of messages from people. And it's basically this. You know what? I have defended Jim Beheim forever. I'm done. Because of this, or this was the last straw, or they kind of see maybe what they didn't see before. Whatever the reasoning is, it's that message. That's what has struck me. It's not just an, oh, I did it again. Oh, Jim. And I, I mean, we get lots of feedback about the basketball program one way or the other, but this is different. This is different. And that's what struck me about that. It's why I wrote the column that I did. It's why I've talked about it on the show the past couple of days. And I wonder, I don't know this yet, but I wonder if Jim realizes that. I wonder if Kent Severud realizes that. I wonder if John Wildhack realizes that. Anybody else you want to put on this list? I'm sure they're getting some feedback too in their own way. So Jim can do what Jim's going to do. But even somebody who's been around as long as he has, 
can learn a lesson from this and can be humbled by this and can realize he was wrong. And I hope he does. And I'm not saying he has to apologize or anything like that. I mean, he did what he did. I, I think it would be hollow anyway, to be frank. But if he wants to, he certainly is welcome to, or at least backtrack on it or address it. But I'm just telling you, like, I've given you my opinion on it. Now what I'm sharing with you is what I've observed on it, what has come back to me on this, and not just based on my opinion, just based on it being out there in the world. And I'm a resource for people to reach out to because you know, I'm public and radio and, and columnist and you know, you kind of reach out to people to get a message out there in that sense, right? But to a T, with almost 100% accuracy, that's the message I'm hearing. It's one thing when I'm hearing from the same people that always bash Bayheim. It's like, no, okay, I kind of expected that. It's the people that have reached out that, A, I've probably never heard from, or when I have heard from, it's been a different tone, that have changed their tone and have said, wait a minute, this, this isn't right. Now, it's coupled with the fact the team is struggling. There is a contingent of people that believe Bayheim should retire. And, again, you have to put some of these things into context and in how it's coming up and who it's coming from. But let me reiterate here, the message that's coming from people that I've either never heard from or are telling me like, hey, listen, I may have disagreed with you before. I may have defended Bayheim on this before. I can't do that anymore. And to those that have said, you know, where have you been? Uh, why did it take this long to do it? Look, all I can tell you is I've written columns about it. I've talked about it. I've tweeted about it. I'm not late to the party here. This has been discussed by me, but they're different circumstances, right? I defended Donna DeToda when Jim Beheim went after her. I've defended other colleagues of mine when Jim Beheim went after them and what I thought was in an inappropriate way are things that Jim has said, not just at press conferences and other places. And I thought he was out of line. I mean, I've done that many times. And I've also defended Jim Beheim in places where I felt that was appropriate because you have to be fair in this job. And I feel like I do the best that I can to do that. I'm not perfect. And if I have flaws there, they will be pointed out to me and I will do my best to correct them. But there is something different about this. And they got three more, ga three more days before their next game and they're both on the road. So maybe this will just dissipate and we move on to the next thing here. But, there are certain things that just stick, that don't come and go. And forget a 24-hour news cycle. It's 24 minutes these days. It's out there. You consume it. You move on. Not this one. This is sticking right here with people for whatever reasons, and I think I do know the reasons I've expressed them. And on that note, we break. If you want to chime in on this, you certainly can at 437-7644. Hot takes on the way as well. Tom Brady retires again. <laughs> and this time, it counts, I think. We'll talk about it coming up. If you're on hold, don't move. We're coming right back at you on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com.